My name is Heath, and I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and excited that you're here this morning. Um, I, I just want to, before we get started, I think there's a lot of times we have so much stuff that's going on in our minds and in our hearts, and um, it, it's hard sometimes to get settled. Worship is a great way to kind of clarify and kind of slow all the other stuff down so you can really get um, into the presence of God. But before we go... Um, I just want us to, I'm going to lead you through something. What we're talking about this morning, I'm going to be in Acts 12, uh, which is going to be on the screens behind you, but you can get into the Word. I'd love for you to look at your Bibles as we're going through it so that you see what I'm saying is coming from the Word and not just out of my mouth. Um, But this morning we're going to talk about this idea that we cannot create our own freedom. We cannot. So whatever, and this is what I want you to kind of stir in your mind right now. If there's something that you're struggling with, if there's something that you're dealing with, something maybe that no one in this room knows about but you do, that you just cannot get over, a way of thinking about yourself or other people, uh, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it is just a lifestyle choice, maybe it is relational Maybe there's all of these things in here. And and I think sometimes the world lies to us over and over again that if you think hard enough and if you work hard enough, you can create your freedom. And I I don't believe that's so. Um, Because if it was so, um, people would stop writing books because you could do it. That one book would come out of of you thinking the right way and, and it would be settled. There would be no more Tony Robbins in his big hands. He does have big hands. But we would we would get there. And so what I want to stir in you because my my hope and, and my plan always is for the word to do something in you that you're unable to do in yourself. And that's to stir a faith that God wants to and is willing and is working on opening the doors to your freedom. And so whatever that is, just for, just for a minute, and we're not going to be silent for a minute, but over the next minute while I'm talking, just start bringing that to the surface. Maybe something you don't want to bring to the surface, but there is a freedom when we begun to begin to say, hey, God, I need help with this. And no, I'm not going to have you look to your neighbor and tell them what your problem is. And no, I, I don't want you to do anything other than go and be in a place that you're like, God, this is, this is my problem. Prison, it ties into what I'm going to talk about. This is that place that I'm stuck. This is that thing that I cannot get over. This is that reality that I cannot get out of. And as that's stirring up to the top, I want to pray and then we're going to get into the word. and We're going to let um, the Acts 12 speak to the reality of what this looks like. So let's pray. Dearly Father, I am so grateful for worship. I'm so grateful for these, you know, few moments before I preach of us realizing how small and insignificant that we are and how big and how great and holy and mighty that you are. And you still desire relationship with us. You still lead us into ways of righteousness. You still lead us to this place of freedom. And so, God, I just pray right now as we 
open up our hearts to the reality that you're the one that brings the freedom, that we begin to put our hope and faith in that reality. Lord, I pray that you would open your word for us to see. That you do in us what we cannot do in ourselves, and that is the hope and glory of the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked about this reality that God has called us to live in this place of constantly asking and be needy for the Holy Spirit to fill us. And, and out of that feeling is where our life really gets transformed, really becomes new. And, and this week... I want to settle on this reality that's tied into the Holy Spirit, so I'm not jumping into another thing, but really adding on to. If, if we don't have the power, who really does? And I know, you know, we're all Christian, we go, oh, God's got the power to do this, and God can do this, but saying with our mouths and believing in it, meaning living it, is two different things. So look at this. Uh, John eight thirty six. It says, So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Then say, you know, so the Son, if you work really hard, will set you free. It says, If so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Romans eight two says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. In Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Second Corinthians 3.17 it says, Now the Spirit, now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, the, the trouble that we're going to run into, and I'm going to talk about this as we illustrate uh, what happens in Acts 12, is sometimes God can, has not can, sometimes God has set us free. We're free. I mean, if the Spirit of the Lord is in us, there is freedom to be had. It is ours. And sometimes, even having that freedom, we choose not to walk that freedom out, which we're going to see that there is, even though it is by His power and by His decision, freedom comes, there is a part of us that has to walk into the freedom. And so, here's what's going on. Acts 12. Acts is the story of the early church. It is really the birth of why we're in this senior center right now, why I'm preaching out of this Bible about these stories. It is the beginning of the church, and the church is gathering steam. I mean, it is growing. It is becoming a political hot topic. So much so that the ruler of the land, who is Herod, which is the grandson of Herod the Great, who was the one who was killing babies in the time of Jesus, trying to eliminate the Messiah, which it's really hard to eliminate what God has determined. Let me just tell you that. You cannot fight against it. And so he takes hold, and we don't know why, but he takes hold of James. James is uh, one of the sons of thunder. Um, James and John and Peter, they were like the trio where Jesus went, you know, they were, they had, not that they were lesser disciples, but he had his three that went into places that the others didn't. And this is one of those three. This is one of the guys who when they walked into town and weren't received, they went up to Jesus and were like, should we call down fire from heaven? 
<laughs> Jesus is like, you little cute kid. No, uh, he didn't do it like that. But I mean, that these are those guys. They are zealous for Jesus. And, you know, he they're they're one of the top tier leadership in the early church. And he is arrested. It says in, in, in verse one, chapter 12, it says about that time, Herod, the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And let me just tell you this, because we're going to talk about freedom as it's related to the living. James and Peter are two of the people that we're going to talk about in this story. James is murdered right off the bat. And so we can get stuck in the reality and not want to listen to the story of Peter because we're like, oh, what if I'm James? Like, what if I'm the one that is taken out early on? Because sometimes that happens, as we can see in the story of Acts 12. Let me just tell you. Peter had already been predicted his death from Jesus. Jesus had already told him how he's going to die. He knew that he was going to die, period. And here's the reality. Let me just settle this. Everyone in this room will face death. Unless Jesus returns before that happens. Every one of us. It was going to happen. And the beauty of this is, is we can have as much faith for James as we can for Peter. Because we think, oh, he ended it. No, the, the end, and this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of the God we serve. Our death is the beginning of our real joy. The beginning, the beginning of our reality, Philippians 1.21 says, For to me is lit, sorry, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It is, we don't want to rush this now. We have purpose in this world, in this room. God has purpose for you, which we'll see through Peter. But I just don't want to get lost in James and just go, oh man, that could be us. It could be us, but that is the joy of us understanding what our end means for us. In verse 3, it says, When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. I've already got one of the top tier I mean, if you can imagine in our country, you know, we had these cards for some people in other countries and they had terrorists, you know, they wanted to. This is like the top two guys. So, hey, if the people loved that I arrested and got rid of James, let me go for Peter. Let me get rid of Peter. So he goes and puts hands on Peter to arrest him, to lead him to that place. But it was during one of their celebrations, and he didn't want to do that in the middle. So Peter sat in prison waiting for his execution. So here's a a side note, a little life lesson. If you want to afterwards, read the rest of uh, Acts 12. And here's a little side lesson. There is a life lesson to be learned with living for the praise of men. Dangerous. This is what Herod was doing. He was seeing that the people liked it, so he wanted to add to that a little bit later on. He went to a place and, and, and preached a sermon. And, and the people said, this is not the voice of man. This is a voice of God. And he accepted that praise. <laughs> and this is like one of the craziest things ever. Um, he was eaten by worms and died. He didn't die and then were eaten by worms. He was like, so I don't know what that looked like. But here's what 
happens when we choose the praise of man over the obedience of God. So we can look what he did, but he got what was coming to him either way. Verse 4, it says, When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after Passover to bring him out to the people. See, Herod wasn't going to take any chances. The last time Peter was in prison, he was freed. He was let out by the gates opening, and so he wasn't going to take anything. So four squads of soldiers was 16 men were guarding Peter to make sure that happened. And he wasn't just going to take chances with making sure that he had 16 guys. He wanted to go a little bit further. In verse 5, it says, Peter... So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. The church was missing their lead. Two, one of their guys had already been taken out. Another one of their key, literally the rock, Peter, was in prison and they were praying and asking God to rescue him. There was no escape this time. There was no freedom for this. Herod was going to make sure that there would be no escape for Peter. In verse 6, it says, Now when Herod was about to bring him out, and on that very night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the drawers were guarding the prison. So picture this. And I'm going to talk about a couple of things that are going on here. Peter is in bed, chained to two dudes with two chains. They're going to make sure that Peter doesn't go anywhere. And and, and check this out. Peter was sleeping. And you may read this. You may be reading through the one-year Bible and you just skimmed right through the reality of Peter was sleeping the night before his execution. This is the guy who, in fear... Well, in pride, told everyone that I will not run away. If I have to, I will die with you. And he cut off somebody's ear and then he runs away. And then later on, a little girl accuses him of being a disciple and he gets angry and calls down curses from heaven. And this is also one of the ones that's hiding in the upper room, terrified of what's going to happen. And here he is after... God has deposited the power of the Holy Spirit in him. He is sleeping the night before his execution, chained between the guards, sleeping soundly enough that the angel had to poke him. I don't know about you. I mean, there's there's things that I've been excited about or nervous about that have kept me up at night. I think my execution um, would probably not allow me to sleep very good. But he's asleep because he's not worried about what's going to happen to him. He has already submitted himself. God has already restored him the three times when they had the fish on the sea. And he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. He has already brought him back to this place. Verse 7. It says, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And the light shone in the cell he struck Peter on the side and woke him. I don't know why comedy is like what I think of in scenarios like this. But, you know, I imagine, you know, 
Yesterday, I took a nap. It happens every now and again. And I'm not the nicest person, like, when I'm sleeping, if I get roused. And the Internet went down in our house, which is <laughs> like DEFCOM 1. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, and, and, and my children were running to the door, and like, Mom, the Internet's not working. And I'm awake, but I don't want to be awake, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not happy about it because I don't care about that Internet in that moment because I'm not using it. I'm sleeping. And of course, I just stayed there. But I'm just not happy. And so I kind of imagine Peter laying there soundly asleep and something pokes him. And he's thinking one of the guards just kicked him. He's like, hey, trying to sleep here. And he, you know, he looks up to the angel and the angel says to him, get up quickly. Okay. I, you know, when I get instructions early in the morning, I'm not always thinking clearly. And it says, and the chains fell off. Of his hands. And the angel said to him, the angel has to give him instructions. Can't trust that he'll get dressed. <clears throat> so the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. Don't forget your shoes and put them on the right feet for those that have children. That to dress them in the morning. It's kind of like that when we wake up. And he did so. And he, he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Now, it could be. I don't know if um, J.R. Tolkien got his idea about the cloaks that, you know, you couldn't see people in Lord of the Rings from this or not. Anyway, I was hoping to get a little bit more. <laughs> Whatever, Lord of the Ring fans. <laughs> Watch the movies. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And so he's doing all these things. Like the angel of the Lord woke him up. The, the chains pop off of him. He, he's told to get dressed. Don't forget your shoes. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He was being obedient. And he said, not knowing what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. He thought none of this was real, but he was being even in his dream. So he thought being obedient and following the angel. And here's something I wrote down that I think is really important as we follow Jesus. We don't have to understand everything God is asking us to do. We just have to walk it out. I think sometimes we, we sit there like spoiled, rotten little children going, you need to tell me why I need to do this. You need to tell me what's going on. You need to get lay the kind of map out in front of me instead of literally just Doing what God asked you to do, which was for him, get up, get dressed, get your cloak and follow me. In verse 10, he said, and they walked past the first and second guards. I don't know if the guards all went to sleep. I don't know what was going on, but it was going to be a big mistake for them, which you'll find out later. And they came to the iron gate leading to the city, the last thing that they had no power over. And it opened for them on its own accord. I don't know if you've ever been to a gated community where that gate opens and it seems like magic. It's not magic. There's a little sensor, a little key box that opens it. That was not so in Jesus' day. You don't walk up to, I think sometimes, <laughs> I don't know if you've been to department stores lately and you're not, you forget to look and see whether it's the automatic doors, but have you ever walked up to the doors kind of expecting 
it to open. And... <laughs> but it's not those doors. It's the doors you actually have to touch to open. Like, this is not the thought here, but the gate literally on its own accord, which a gate does not have its own accord. It doesn't have thoughts or feelings. It opened. And they went out along the street, and immediately the angel left him. Let me just tell you, and this is going back to my original statement, you, like Peter, and if you're old enough and smart enough to realize this, there's no hope of escaping from the prison, sometimes that we put ourselves in and sometimes we've been put in. There was no hope of freedom for Peter outside of the miracle that we just witnessed. Outside of the intervention of the angel. And let me just tell you that our lives are just like that. There is no hope for us. And I know you, you want to argue with me because you don't want to rely on something else. You want to go, I'm a self, like we, this is where we, I'm a self-made man. And I know there's women in here. Sorry. I'm a self-made woman. Like that you've done, you can do it. And, you, and in your brain, you're already trying to argue with that reality going, but Heath, I've, I have, I have, I've done this and I've done that and I've, I've, I've done this. Let me just tell you, either you're denying the reality that God was a part of that. Or you're living in a delusion of a freedom that you're not even really in. Because a lot of times we will, we will paint this picture in our own brain to make us think that we are free from until that next thing happens, until that next fall happens, until that next overreaction happens, to that next whatever it is shows us the reality of it. In verse 11 it says, And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel." wasn't sure before. He wasn't even aware that he was awake. And that the angel had rescued him from the hand of Herod. And from all the Jewish people who were expecting him to be murdered the next day to eliminate. They did not want to lose their position. What's crazy is he leaves. Okay, the angel has left him. He goes to Mary, um, John Mark's mother's house where they are, you know, praying in the inner room, which we're going to, you know, next Monday, not, ne- not tomorrow, but the Monday after that, we're going to get together and we're going to intercede and pray for our church and our community and our people in the church. And they're sitting in there praying and Peter comes to the outer gate, which he cannot open. And he knocks on the gate and one of the servant girls runs and he hears Peter and gets excited and runs back in. She doesn't open the door, which is a little silly. But we, we do silly things. And she runs back in and she tells everybody that's praying, Hey, Peter, Peter's at the gate. And they're like, no, no, no. It's, the, it's, it's Peter's angel. Or, or they could be thinking it's Peter's spirit that he's already been killed and he's at the gate. And finally they go and open the door. And of course, Peter is there and there's celebration and renewal. And the church is strengthened. Let me tell you. And I say this a lot. Your freedom is not for you alone. God doesn't 
and will not free you just for you. You get the benefit of it, but God always works his freedom for his children for others. Think about it. Think about the the power of what just happened. Think about the next time that group of people got together to pray. Think about the expectation of what their prayers mean. Because I know sometimes we think we just are lifting up these words and they're just kind of floating up into the sky and we're not sure what's happening. But could you imagine for the early church when they're praying for the impossible and their incarcerated leader comes out of jail who was woken up by an angel. You know, could you imagine that their prayers lifted themselves up to God and God's already working this in and and, and they could feel the reality that their prayers had impact on this situation. Could you imagine what it did for the church? Because of His freedom. I mean, I think about scenario after scenario after scenario of interactions that Jesus had and the apostles had with people, that their lives were forever changed. The demoniac, everything, was had given up hope, was out crazy in the tombs, naked. Jesus comes in, restores, heals him. He's dressed and in his right mind and Jesus sends him to a city to proclaim who he is. That later on when Jesus comes back, the same people that told Jesus to leave are welcoming him in. How about the the lady who was given to the issue of blood and for years, over a decade, had been bleeding and spent every bit of her money for healing that she could not work on for her own. And she just thought, if I could get close enough to Jesus, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, healing. Your freedom is what the church needs. The church needs a witness to what God can do for marriages. The church needs a testimony of what God can do for setting us free from addiction and slavery that we put ourselves in. But that doesn't happen without Jesus. So here's my application. This is going back to James because I I want this to be a reality. I think sometimes we, we forget that God's in control. And when things aren't going the way we want, we feel like we've got ourselves outside of the grace of God. Listen to this. Bold obedience does not mean that you will be free from trouble. Being obedient boldly, because James was. James wasn't, you know, slacking. He wasn't not doing his job. He didn't, you know fall into sin and God's punishing him. God, in his love for James, allowed this to happen. And we don't know for what purpose, but we do know that the church was serious about the freedom that God brings. So bold obedience does not mean that you are free free from trouble. Real freedom comes from God alone. And here's here's a little 
caveat with it. Are you ready and willing to allow God to set you free? You know that thing that I ask you to bring to your memory at the beginning of my time talking? Are you willing to invite God into that and allow His timing to have complete control? Are you okay if it takes days? Now, one thing that we, we didn't see, Peter wasn't just in prison for a day. This was a, a season he was in, probably five or six days, waiting for Passover to end, waiting for this time. And his freedom didn't come the first day or the second day or the third day. The reality is, is that if we trust God, even if it doesn't come today, it's okay. But are you ready and willing to allow God into that? Sorry. And here's the last thing. Just because God opened the gate doesn't mean that we don't have to walk out of it. Like I said at the beginning, I'm going to have our worship team come back up. There's a lot of gates that are standing open. There's a lot of chains that are already fallen off of us. But there's some of us in this room that are still sitting in that same spot. I don't know why. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's really not believing that you've been set free. Really believing that that once and for all sacrifice that Jesus did for you was enough to pay the penalty for your sins. To set you free. And so my question here is, are you sitting beside your chains? Are you allowing the gospel, the reality of the gospel to settle in? Are you aware of your own sin enough to say God is big enough to free me from this? See, here, here's where I want us to land. Here's where I want uh, this time to end at this morning. It will be a battle that you face the rest of your life. If you're in here and you've known Jesus for 20 years, there's something that's holding on to you that you still need to let go of. It is something that you will be working on. Because as long as we are in the flesh, our sin will be an issue. But His grace is bigger than our sin. The freedom that He offers us will be something that on a regular basis you will have to come in humility and say, God, I need you desperately. Look, I've been, I gave my life to the Lord in 1994. I still need His grace. This is my job. Like, I should be, and forgive me for what I'm getting ready to say here, I don't believe it. I should be, this is the expectation, the holiest one in here. Because I'm up here. I've got a Bible right beside me. I've got words on a piece of paper. And I have a microphone. But here's the reality. I need Jesus just as desperately as you do. I can be sitting right beside my chains just like you. So what is it this morning? What is it this morning that is just God 
has brought to you during the time from worship until right now that this is where I'm calling you out of. And what acts of faith are you going to walk in today to believe the reality? The angel told him what to do. Get up, get dressed. The word of God tells us every day when we're in it. This is what I've called you to. This is who I called you to be. This is you. And this morning, I believe there's things in our lives that we just need to go, God, I'm yours. I mean, the prodigal son, like for every single person in this room that, you know, is worried about what God, how God is going to respond to your return. Read the prodigal son story over and over and over. The father was waiting, arms open. Embracing his soiled, pig-smelling son back into the family. Giving him his identity. Putting off the old and putting on the new. That is our Father. Let's pray. Dear Jesus. Lord, you have freedom for all of your children. We understand that. Lord, we understand your word in Romans 8, 28. It says all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What's going on right now is for our good. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see the miracle that you're working in our life as we experience you, as we trust in you, as we walk in obedience. Lord, I pray that those that are sitting beside their unshackled chains are sitting on this side of the open door, Lord, that we would, in faith right now, begin to walk into the freedom that you have called us to. And so, Lord, whatever that was brought to our attention, whatever that you stirred to the surface, Lord, I pray that you would give us faith that you can and will lead us into freedom. And Lord, I thank you in advance for the freedom that you're going to give your children, not for just the freedom of it, but the reality that you will give us freedom. And that freedom will influence your kingdom. It will change people's lives. So Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace and mercy to walk in obedience. And Lord, I pray that you would allow the life of Peter to speak to us, that we would we would hear your voice, that we would move in your direction, that we would walk out the door. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bring your word to us today. That we would believe what your word says for us and that we would begin to even now preach the gospel to ourselves in powerful ways. That we have been freed as children of God, that we are His chosen ones, that we are righteous because of Him. And Lord, as we worship You, as we close out this song, Lord, I pray that there would be a surrender in this room. 
A surrender to a loving, gracious Father who wants to lead us into all freedom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.